How's it going, folks? It's your friend, Luke, the bookworm reader, with a great episode of your favorite podcast, One to Review. Today, we're going to be dipping into the One to Review book club with my friends, Brandon and Alex. Say hello, Alex. Hey, how's it going, guys? Thanks for being here. And Brandon, how are you? Oh, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, Luke. The One Two Review Book Club is a small departure from our regular podcast. We're just going to go over some of our club selections today and share them with our users. Go ahead and kick the intro. One, two, Hi, Brandon. Love it when you make that sound, buddy. How you doing today? been great man thanks for having me thanks for inviting me to the book club i have not been an avid reader all my life i've just recently gotten into it and i've just been tearing through books so i'm excited to talk about some of these you know what i didn't want to age into my 50s and be a non-reader into my 50s so i was like this is something that i need to get on my you know this is something that i need to get myself on and I think maybe if I have my friends doing this alongside me, it's going to motivate me to do it even more. And um, it definitely has. We've gone through three books already. Alex, what's your relationship to reading like? Oh, I've always been an enjoyer of reading, the practice of reading, but I always had trouble getting it done. As you know, you know, sitting down and pages are so boring, so white, so bland. And even as an actor, my imagination has trouble filling in all the blanks. Uh, I'm a lazy reader, and this book club has been excellent for me, uh, challenging me to spur my creativity in my own brain. And that's led to a lot of discoveries in my own self. Yeah. I've definitely shared that experience with you, Alex. Um, and for starters, I think we all shared that experience with the classic novel, The Bilge and the Butcherman. The light of the whale tallow candle swung dangerously close to a leak near the bilge as it illuminated Jark's trembling book. The final bunch of paper in his left hand seemed to get smaller every time he turned the page as the story mounted towards its boiling finish. Jark, are you operating the bilge? A voice shouted. It was his first mate, Bryant, a known hater of the written word and a true taskmaster when it comes to ensuring the dryness of the ship's hull. If any would throw the book overboard, it would be him. Yes? He shouted back, unsure if Bryant could detect the wavering in his tone. He shut his eyes and gave a short prayer that he wouldn't come down the stairs. Just a quick recap for all our listeners out there that don't know about The Bilge and the Butcherman. It's C.Z. Willie's classic novel about a man's struggle to finish reading a book while aboard a treacherous shipping vessel. That's hard to say. Yeah. This was great to read a classic novel. You know, this is one that I read in middle school, I think, and it's been a long time. And revisiting this novel was eye-opening, to say the least. I mean, CZ Willie is, you know, a big deal in American writing, and I didn't quite get what he was saying CZ's until I read it as voice an adult. is so pure in this novel. It really distills what America was like in 1841. And for me, this was the first time reading this book. It was not on my educational reading list. And I really do wish it was because I think there's layers that uh, would have been appreciated more if I would have savored them twice 
and knowing more in my older age, getting more. Yeah, it's a great novel. It's it was interesting to me. It's got that slow start. I mean, it feels it feels you know a product of the times a lot of way. It's got the slow start where we meet our character Jark and he's on the dock waiting, and you don't quite know where he's going at the beginning. Uh, You don't really find that out. Honestly, to the end, I think it's left open to where this character Jark's journey is going. Uh, but once he starts to meet the crew, that for me is when the whole story kind of opens up and starts to really uh, brighten in a lot of ways. Um, I think I felt a lot of my eighth grade self coming out in while reading this. I fell asleep a lot. I didn't get a lot of the symbolism. I sat there with a highlighter through the first two chapters, and it's like kind of pathetic to look through my personal copy because you see like all these annotations and highlights through the first two chapters, and then once you get to chapter three, it's like the book hasn't even been touched. But I promise I read the whole thing. Um, like I said, I didn't get a lot of it. It felt uh, very tedious. There's a lot going on. Yeah, there's absolutely a lot going on in this novel. The tedium of the life on the ship and the routineness of the day in and day out. It's a struggle to be with a group of guys for a week, let alone years on a bilge. And can we talk about the ending? It does relatively end on a cliffhanger, not knowing if the book is finished, that the man is trying. He closes the book, though. At the end, he... He does close the book, and like for sure, I remember this in in middle school when we were reading it. Like, does that closing of the book symbolize? Did he finish the book, or is he finished with the book? You know what I'm saying? Like, is is the story over that he was reading in the story, and he closed it, or is he just done reading it? Because you see his frustration throughout. There's there's dice games, there's dinners, there's chores, there's all these interruptions. There's the shark that hits the boat from the side. There's all these interruptions. That pull him from the book, which which has to be symbolism. You know, for me, I see those things as life. I see those as my job, my my bills, um, you know, my relationships. Those are the shark attacks. Yeah. Well, um, for me, it really didn't make a difference. It was satisfying to I, I think in my own mind, he finished the book. And because when I was finished with the book he was finished with the book and it was like the same kind of like trial that we both went through so whether or not he comprehended or i comprehended the book and you know actually digested it properly it wasn't important i think in a weird like mirror between myself and the character you know what i mean so um when i was done when i was when i got through the the ending and he had finished reading or had closed the book i i felt like um there was accomplishments i don't know i felt like him yeah i don't i don't know if it quite works as well for a woman just because of pronoun usage but i love no i mean spoiler alert here i love the last sentence is and he closed the book and as the guy reading the book, when I finish that sentence, I don't have much of a choice but to close the book. And I think there's just some really nice work there that yeah. CZ Wiley does in, in that in that linking you to this person. Again, it works best for a guy, but, you know, I'm sure like the idea still fits. You know, in his day, CZ Wiley was criticized for using that as a cheap trick, like a cheap plot device to make his book really stand out um, by creating that parallel uh, parallel you I don't know like that parallel between the the reader just and the, the meta, character. Uh, yeah. the, mm-hmm. 
I mean, that's just haters. Haters gonna hate. I think. Mm. Um, I don't know. I feel like we've explored the bilge and the butcherman to its fullest extent. Brandon, you got anything you want to tack on to this CZ Willy classic? Nothing to tack on. This was an enjoyable read, and get to it if you haven't gotten to it before. Uh, we're not going to be rating the books. Uh, we're just going to be ringing a bell. That's right. Every time we talk about a book and successfully feel like it has joined the club, we're going to ring the book bell. So let's ring that bell. Here we go. Uh, and with that, I think, folks, it's time uh, that we kick it over to one of our sponsors. One, two, three, four, five, six, do it! This episode of One to Review is brought to you by Baby by Baby DJ. DJ Chris Bornwall's first ever children's novel, Baby DJ, is a blast for kids and parents too. Help Baby DJ pick bedtime bangers. Bedtime bangers. Fix his play school mic cable and keep the poopy die dies out of Baby VIP in this 25 page cloth bound pop up book. Pop up book. This early growth DJ primer will get your baby slipping plates and breaking needles on the wheels of steel before they can even talk. Baby DJ also includes two chow-free USB glow sticks. Chow-free USB glow sticks and a free 60-minute lullaby mega mix download from DJ Bornwall himself. Order now. Okay, guys, back with another classic. Uh, This is one that I actually did read back in my youth, and so this was a nostalgic blast. We all read Dog Mountain. This is an easy, breezy, short book, Matthew Wellen's take on a mountain man and his dog and the trouble they endure on Dog Mountain. He screamed and awoke with a splitting side ache, unsure if time or the pain had caused him to wake. He looked down. His jeans were torn and mudded. His shirt was missing and probably ruined somewhere. But he managed to keep his boots on. Good thing he wore those boots. There was a voice inside his head telling him that they might not find them, him and Brutus. He didn't know how long it had been. Hours felt like days in this extreme cold. Hello? he said aloud. There was no response but the lone echo of the cliffside. He called for his dog his friend. Brutus! Here, boy boy! A sudden digital beep began to sound in the distance, scared at first. Ben lowered himself to the ground and began searching for its source. His dog calling lowered to a hushed whisper. The glimmer of his digital watch now across the field catches his eye. It must be seven o'clock. He looked around. The hair on the back of his neck begins to stand up. Dinner time. Brutus leapt out of nowhere, always prompt for his 7 p.m. feeding. Determined to make a shelter, Ben pressed on into the wild. Yeah, this was the type of book that made you feel cool for reading. It was like an adventure, and it was easy to comprehend, and it was a lot of fun. And it made you seem like you were actually there on Dog Mountain with Ben and Brutus. Yeah, I feel like um, Wellen's writing is just something that is so damn nostalgic. But but I've heard 
I've heard that, you know, people that didn't read this as a kid, that it really takes them there too. I think he's just really able to capture the perspective of a child really well. And, and you know, our character's not necessarily a child. He's a mountain man, you know, but he's definitely young at heart and, like, has that soul of, for me, a boy. I, you know, I feel like this was very easy for me to connect with the characters in this story. Well, much like a child, the mountain man is searching, and he's searching for life and he's searching for his dog and these are things that humans can identify and especially children can identify you know so many excellent tips in this book like actual survival stuff like you know wellen was not only an eagle scout but he was in not the marines but merchant marines or something he did a lot of overseas kind of like survival stuff so like he knows how to use a compass like you know i mean the very basics he knows how to start a fire and and having those skills in there and having this book be something that really um made those skills marketable whatever sexy whatever you want to use like to a child made a child want to do those things this book had it, and so I got to give him a lot of credit. I think for empowering a lot of the youth in in my society, at least in in my culture, growing up. Yeah, I remember whenever they would have book fairs at our schools, they would have all of the youthful press um, survival gear alongside the youthful mm-hmm. press, all, along all the Dog Mountain series, along all. Um, did you guys read the K? Um, mm-hmm. All those survival books. Um, and I actually own some of the youthful press survival gear. I had the um, fireproof matches and I had the uh, the boot scraper. Mm-hmm. And both of them were pretty bad products. I didn't realize that the fireproof matches were actually for kids, so they wouldn't light. So that wasn't a great... Um, and the boot, the boot scraper, they didn't even have that in any of the books, not even in any of the sequels. So, yeah, um, yeah. I mean, he's. I mean, like, yeah. Some of that gear shows up in Dog River. He uses a lot of it in Dog Valley. There's a whole scene where, like, there's not a scraper, but he does use like a mud replacer. I don't know. For me, it was. It's not about the product, so like that stuff was secondary. But there, there is one can be said. Some people were upset that there was a little bit of marketing with this, but I didn't find it upsetting in any way. No, once you once you dive into the books, you sort of forget about the cash grab that they had going on behind the scenes. Um, yeah, well, Brandon. Speaking about being upset, you guys have heard all the internet buzz about there being the movies coming out. We all know. Uh, there is a CGI Brutus, and apparently the internet is just in a big storm because he looks... It doesn't look right. It doesn't look right. Yeah, yeah, it looks weird. Well, because, you know, the dog is supposed to be kind of a... Not a St. Bernard, but like a St. Bernard cross, and right. this thing looks, you know, weird. And it's got kind of... I don't know, its teeth look weird. It looks like humanized or something. Yeah, they gave yeah. him square human teeth. They gave him, like, these weird monkey ears. And it's not even a brindle. It's a spotted... Um, it's a spotted St. Bernard. I think it's like in the book, it's they kind of describe it as like a half pit bull, half St. Bernard. So it's like this really tough, beefy dog with sort of like a nice brindle coat. Um, and yeah, they they screwed that up. They were they wanted to make this movie, and I remember Matthew, while Matthew was still alive, he was like, you can't have the rights, you can't do that. And then as soon as he passed, what, two years ago, they jumped on it. And so I'm, I'm upset with the, the Welland estate for letting Matthew's books you know, be bastardized in that way, because this doesn't need to be a movie. In fact, I feel like it would be almost flat as a movie. It's about the relationship. 
and a digital dog's not going to have it. To be bastardized once again 25 years later. I'm in a complete agreeance with you. It is a little piece of my childhood. I just don't think I'm going to go see the movie. You know, truth be told, though, I did hear the backstory is he left a lot of debt in his wake, and his estate is trying to actually pay off some of that debt. So, Oi, there you go. What what can I do with that info? That's so sad because everybody knows that Welland didn't make any money off of the survival gear that Youthful Press attached to these books no they fucked him on that hard so there's a whole documentary for about them that. to double back sell the rights to another movie for another to a movie for a cash grab is just despicable um i i really wish the worst for those movies i hate to do that but um if they if they come across our table i'm ending the podcast with you guys if you give them twos I mean, you know, I mean, Marthy Wellen was a crazy, crazy party animal, you know, heroin addict, all that stuff. Like, of course, he's going to rack up that debt. But that's the kind of man that creates, you know, these books. So it's the trade we make. And if he didn't want these to be movies, I think we should have respected that. But whatevs. I agree with you. I'm over the podcast if we rate those. Well. Yeah. And completely agree. That'll be the day we hang up our hat if we rate those movies, too, for sure. Um. All right, let us let's just ring the book bell for Dog Mountain, an excellent novel. You know, I hope everyone checks it out if yeah. they haven't already. Ring it twice. Awesome. And with that bell, that also means, much like Pavlov, we've been trained to want something. And in this circumstance, we're getting an ad. Today's one-two review is brought to you by Living Goose Scotch. From the peat bogs of Scotland comes the old scotch that tastes good. Living Goose has been making real scotch whiskey for 24 generations. Mother Nature, land disputes, and the will of God himself has beaten down and tried to run the Stuart family stills dry. But guess what? We're doing better than ever. And finally ready to supply select stores in the UK and overseas with our award-winning scotch whiskey. Living Goose is in Dillon's and limited supply and only $400 a bottle. This may be your only chance to get your hands on one of our rare green bottles with a 30-year age scotch before disaster strikes a Sturt family again. We have to hide the kegs or repair the wall again. Living Goose scotch. The goose is loose. Folks, the third book that we read for this month's one two review book club is a little novel called congo 2 diamonds of the moon it's new a couple years old written by michael crichton synopsis is quite simple a mission to space to find urethral diamonds on the distant moon of photos 8 goes awry and boy does it he shot three shots into the darkness the scream that echoed back from the night was deafening It was unlike anything they had ever heard. A garbled mess of hissing and pops, like popcorn and meat cooking on a saucepan. More unnerving, though, was the cry of pain, a crippled, croaking mess. He chuckled. Whatever that thing is, it don't like a laser rifle. Sharon shivered deep in her spine. She knew what it was. She knew of the experiments. Though humans had never visited Photos 8, it didn't mean that their greedy fingers had not yet touched it. These were the beasts that the Goldosh Company had sent, and it was a goddamn ambush. 
Sharon whipped her laser cannon behind her as two more of the beasts leapt from the darkness. Out of the corner of her eye, she saw Yelger cut down, chuckling no more. Two of the creatures began tearing at his stomach. He tried to cry out but was silenced by Rabbit Pistol. Two shots in the head, a mercy killing. A moment of silence and her training returned. Focus sharpened as the airlock began to shudder. The scratching of claws on steel. Four pairs of talons. Five, now six. The beast smelled blood and they weren't going to stop until they tasted some. Sharon had just hoped it would be theirs, not hers. I gotta I got say, I've got some problems with Crichton's newer works. They feel... I want to say borrowed. Like a kid wrote them? Mm, no, I want to say like a kid saw them in a movie and then put them in a book with a different title than Amy. His books feel like the movie version of a book. You know, like I read, you know, if you read the Indiana Jones... Uh, never mind, it's hard to explain. <laughs> never mind. <laughs> it is hard to explain. Um, it is... I'll tell you it, what. For me, I have fond memories of Michael Crichton. I remember fondly reading Jurassic Park on during recess with a friend of mine in this giant tire that was hollowed out that we would read books in at a recess and that novel was high and highly scientific there was a lot going on it was way above my head and i pretended to understand it for a long time but congo too i definitely understood and this felt like it was one of those kids novels that we were reading i will say the action in this novel is awesome um and the there's a lot of creatures in it, which I really enjoy because there's creatures already on Photos 8, as well as the creatures that the Goldash Company sends because they don't just send these things. They send those big apes as well. They send the big snake thing. Um, so, like, I really like that. I like the action in it. I just feel like his character development's a little weak. All of his characters are very two-dimensional, I felt. The characters are extremely weak, and the science is just super flimsy, and it's not explained. Yes. Yeah. They've got that cyborg, the little cyborg monkey, the Coruscant, and Mm -hmm. that thing, you know, it's like wisecracking, it's making jokes, and it's smoking cigarettes. I thought the Coruscant was the best developed character, to be honest. Yeah, no, unfortunately he is, but I still kind of hated him. He didn't make sense. I related to the Coruscant more than any of the other characters, especially Sharon. Sharon just felt like a ripoff of Ripley, a Ripley ripoff, a ripoff. Nice. Um, and you know, like, like we just heard, Yelger is negligible. He's one of the first to go, and the other two, I guess they do have moments, though. Um, Edlin and Donovan do have moments, um, but uh, like you said, what really carries this book is the action and the fun of just wrecking um, a moon. Yeah, I mean, I guess so what it is is this book. Uh, for me, Michael Crichton is a, a prestigious, distinguished author. And this feels like kind of camp for kids. Like if I read this as a kid, I would have gobbled it up. Um, and I just, I guess as an adult, I expect more from Michael Crichton. Um, but if this was my first Michael Crichton novel and I was a kid, man, this would be one of my favorite books for a very long time. Yeah, 100%. I checked the cover in chapter three. I was like, wait, is this Michael Crichton? Yeah, and doesn't I like feel had like to it. double back to make sure it wasn't like a book endorsed by or a, based on the writings of you know. Sure, it's actually Michael Crichton's words. Maybe uh, he might just be doing the ghostwriter thing for a little cash grab. Um, but I guess either way, you got to take it for face value. You can't 
attach the Michael Crichton legacy to Congo 2? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I guess you're right. It is a different thing. You know, every but every the... every artist has their lesser works, and this is that. This is the piece of trash that he just kind of shit out um, to whatever, get the creative juices flowing again. Hopefully. Yeah, well, I... Well, I do just want to say one thing is like what I meant by that is he's actually doing kind of sequels to a lot of his books. And I think he's leaning more towards this, like not Twilighty because he does. He's not putting love in these, but he's making them kind of he's childish, not childishly remaking his books, but he's doing Sphere 2. He's doing Prey 2. He's doing a Jurassic Park 2, but not Lost World. It's Jurassic Park 2. And I forget what the subtitle is on it, but it's basically like a retelling of Jurassic Park in the future. They're all kind of futuristic retellings of his stories. I'm telling um, you right now, if, if Jurassic Park 2... Well, if Jurassic Park 2 is on the moon, I'm probably going to read it, to be honest. I think it's, I think it's actually Mars. I'm like 90% sure it's yeah. uh, Jurassic Park on Mars. And like that's exactly what it is. It's like Congo 2 is pretty much almost minute for minute the same story. It's just kind of put a new veneer on it, a, a, a more sci-fi veneer to an already sci-fi novel. And that's what he's doing. You know yeah. what these so books it's an interesting perfect. idea. You know what these books are perfect for? They're perfect for airport reading or airplane That's reading. what I'm saying. Kindles and stuff too, like sci-fi. Yeah, these are great. So pick it up. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I was saying that I got my Kindle robbed from me, which is a true story. Um, I actually left Congo 2 on the train, and I came back over the weekend. It was still in the same chair. So, A hard copy? My copy. Yeah. This book is not sought after. No. I will say that much. And this just came out, too, you know, a couple years ago. Anywho, uh, I liked it. it. You know, in the long run, I did like it. Uh, it's a page turner for sure. Hard to put down. Um, hard to pick up. It sounds like according to Luke too. Uh, but uh, I don't know. What do you guys? Any more thoughts on it? A fun, enjoyable read. It's like the popcorn yeah. flick of reading. Yeah, it's yeah, a sure breeze. Is. It's a breeze. Uh, let's ring that bell for that book. Ring it, baby. And uh, I think we have one more sponsor, and then we're uh, going to get out of here. So let's kick it over there to that sponsor. Bratty boy. Babysitter Almanac. Hey, know-it-all. Want to be a real, real wise-ass? Ass? The Bratty Boy's Babysitter Almanac contains everything a punk kid needs to become a prank god. <laughs> Ever wanted to know how to convince your dumb dad that he smells like peanut butter? Need a five-minute recipe for beetle slime? Want to find out how to get away with murder? Get the Band From Libraries Babysitter Almanac today and learn all the tricks and scams your parents never wanted you to see in one big, old, stinky book. The Babysitter Almanac is the only book you'll ever want in your backpack. Order now with promo code REVIEW and get a free Algebra 4 book cover absolutely free. Be a fucking bratty boy. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Feels good. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. All right. That's about all the time that we got this week. Guys, is there anything? I got to get back to reading. I'm looking forward to curling up in bed with my Kindle and falling asleep to its warm glow as I read some more. That sounds great, Brandon. To be honest, I can't wait to get back on my phone and check my Insta. Fucking cool, too. 
Hey guys, we gotta thank our sponsors. A big old mumbled shout out to our $1 Patreon donor. That is Ryan Harana. Thank you so much, man, for donating to us each week. And a $2 shout out to our good friend, Rab. Thank you, Rab, for always showing up every month and helping us out make this thing and make it for the people that are listening, whoever they are. Next week on One to Review, we'll be back with some movies. We've got Marlowe. Film Thread, Blind Head, The Red Open, Into My Basket, Cougar 5000, and another from the Doe series. Bye! See you later. Bye. All right.